sharing that song with us today, and thank you for uh, sharing your day with us here at Trace Creek Baptist Church, and we welcome you here and, and trust that you've been blessed uh, by being in the house of the Lord today. I know, as Brother Richard uh, mentioned, that we've got some youth and counselors that are away from us today. We've got 40 or so of them that are out and be back later on today, and we miss them. And we miss you when you're not here, so we're thankful when you're back home as well. And, uh, you know, it's just, just better when the whole family's together. And, uh, and so it's special and important that you're here, and we're thankful to see you today. I want to invite your attention to the book of Mark, chapter number 1. Mark, chapter number 1 today. And uh, this will be our last time in Mark for a few weeks, all right, uh, as we go through. And we're going to take a little break as we enter into the Christmas uh, season and, and things such as that. So uh, you just kind of put your, put your finger right there and we'll pick up in chapter 2 uh, sometime in January, okay? But today we're going to wrap up chapter number 1 in the book of Mark starting in verse number 40. Verse number 40 through 45, just the right touch. The Bible says this, and there came a leper to him beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. And he straightway charged him, forthwith sent him away, and said unto him, See thou, say nothing to any man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priests, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. Let's pray together. Father, we join our prayers, Lord, with those that have been offered this morning by others, Lord, as anticipation of this day and of this time, this hour. And God, we give you thanks today that you are one who hears and answers prayer, that you're a God that's alive and well, and Lord, that you hear. And God, today, I just confess my need of you as always, but Lord, especially now, God, and Lord, I pray that you would speak through us the words that we need to share today and that I need for my own heart and life and that your people need today. And Lord, I'm thankful that I can pray and that I can stand with confidence knowing that it's not depending on me today. But Lord, your spirit, that he's our teacher and he's the guide to all truth. So Lord, I pray that he would work in our midst. And Lord, as the old... Him used to say, all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. Lord, I'm reminded of that today. Lord, for those of our number that are out preaching today, God, I pray that they would know the unction, the filling of the Spirit of God today. Lord, they'd faithfully proclaim your word. God, for, I pray for our county today and Lord, as brothers stand and preach, 
God, I pray for our sister churches around about us today, God, that you would encourage them. God, that you would move in their midst, Lord. God, you'd supply, Lord, that you'd add to their number. And Father, we need that here. God, we need you to be in our midst. God, for these moments right now, we need you to be the center of our thoughts. God, I know that the devil takes opportunity like this to rob us and to keep us from hearing from you today. He'll bring up hard feelings. He'll bring up things that we need to be doing. God, I pray that you would captivate us today. And Father, we can leave here knowing that we've met with you. God, that we can leave here knowing today that we've heard from you. Thank you for Jesus. It's his name we pray. Amen. Today, as we look in this text of Scripture, I want to think about that as we gave introduction to this text uh, some weeks ago, that we said that this was a text that was full of miracles. And it has more miracles by Jesus than it does sermons by Jesus. But yet in each and every miracle, it seems that there is a sermon in and of itself. And so that's what we find ourselves with today, a text that is all around a miracle that Jesus Christ performed. And yet in this miracle, there is a sermon. Hugh said all Christ's miracles were parables that visibly portrayed the effects of his spirit's work among mankind. And truly it is that all of his works, that they're portraying something bigger than just someone being physically healed. We see that as Jesus ministered, that he pictured and he portrayed for us that the Spirit of God, that he was working, that he was ministering, and that he was bringing healing to those who are in spiritual need. You know, today that applies to us, it applies to this text of Scripture because we see that there was one who had uh, been uh, taken by leprosy and that's a, that is no small thing for sure. But in the Bible, as we think of those that are uh, in, infected or infested by leprosy, that it's always a picture and symbol of sin and then the healing of that is symbolic of what Christ Jesus does, that he comes and he brings us deliverance, that he brings us uh, healing from the sin-sick soul that we have. Now this leper that's before us today in this text of scripture, we don't know his past, we don't know uh, all that uh, made up his life up until this point, we don't know that he was necessarily any more sinful than the next fellow was but the text definitely teaches us of the terribleness and the of the corruptness of sin upon our life and so that really sets the stage in the context uh, for our sermon today you know other uh, than a few sermons that we do here preach from time to time from the pulpit we don't uh, hear nor do we know a whole lot about leprosy because it isn't all that common, uh, thankfully, uh, here in the United States of America. But we do know enough to know that it's terrible, that it's bad, that we do not want it, and that uh, it, is, it is a sentence of death ultimately. 
uh, that it is silent, uh, that it is subtle, but it is a savage killer, uh, that it will ultimately uh, take the life of those who have it. So you can see why that uh, God chose to use this uh, as a symbol of sin in man's life. Because sin is subtle, that sin is silent oftentimes, but it's a savage killer. And that we can make that application, make that crossover very easily in our lives. And so, uh, as we think about that, that humanity, you and I, all of us, apart uh, from the work of the Lord Jesus Christ being applied to our life and our situation, that we are hopeless, that we are doomed, and that we are damned and that we are going to be consumed ultimately by the disease of sin and it's going to bring wreck and ruin and damnation in our lives. Now today in these few verses of scripture there's three things I want us to give our thoughts to. In verse number 40 we see the cry from the leper. 40 the cry from the leper. And then in verse number 42 we see the compassion for the leper. The compassion for the leper. And then in verse 40, uh, 40, 41, the compassion for the leper. Then 42 through 44, we see the cure for the leper. So the cry, the compassion, and the cure for the leper. Are all these things here in this text of Scripture. In verse 40, we see the leper coming on the scene and the cry from the leper. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now as Jesus taught and as he had been busy ministering and healing, uh, that the word had got out. The word was on the street, all that Jesus was doing. Uh, even in the most remote locations, even in the furthest away uh, from the village itself, even the places where those banished from society, those like the lepers, they were not allowed, as you very well may know, they were not allowed to live in the community with everyone else. That they were banished to an isolated area and there, maybe by themselves or at least by others who had the same disease, that they would live there uh, separated from society. They couldn't go to work. Uh, they couldn't go to the synagogue. They couldn't go to a family reunion. As a matter of fact, they haven't been able to stay uh, with their, with maybe with their wife or their husband or their children uh, since the time that they found out that they had this disease. That they were destined to spend their remaining days isolated and apart from everyone else. Only, only other lepers would be around them with some sort of very meager and dire existence. Now, so you see with that sort of isolation, do you see uh, with being uh, estranged from the rest of society? Do you see the courage? Do you see the amount of faith that must have been present in the heart and the life of that uh, leper that day as he found something within himself that he knew that he had to get 
to Jesus. Now it wasn't, he wasn't going to be accepted by people, that he was going to be scorned by people. Uh, that uh, as I read uh, this week, it talked about people throwing rocks at them, even, even religious leaders throwing rocks at them in order to keep them away from getting too close to them. And so that's how that they lived. And, and so that's what this leper that he faced as he was determined that he was going to get to Jesus. And as he approaches Jesus, there came a leper to him, beseeching him, inquiring of him, who was imploring him, who was begging him. You see the desperation in this man's life. You see that he knew that he, if he didn't get to Jesus, he knew that if he, something didn't happen soon, that, that he was in trouble, that he was going to die, that he was not going to make it at all. He says he throws himself on the ground here. It says that he's kneeling down to him. You see that he didn't come with, with arrogance. He didn't come thinking that Jesus owed him anything. But he came in, in a humble state, bowing himself down. And the, and the book of Luke says that he was full of leprosy. Not just that he had leprosy. But Luke says that he was full of leprosy. That means that it was in full-blown state that it had consumed him, it had taken its toll on him, and that he was to be pitied by everyone who saw him. Everyone who had uh, any sighting of him would, would just shriek as they looked at who he was. Now, if you and I read about this text, maybe in, in uh, commentaries or dictionaries and things like that, that people uh, will highlight that that uh, leprosy that being referred to in the Bible days could refer to most any type of skin condition that maybe a, even what we would see as a, a psoriasis type thing and you know just just rashes and things that would come upon the skin of the body but you know I, I don't think that all the gospel writers would highlight Jesus taking care of a rash I don't think that a rash is what we're dealing with here. I think that he's talking about something that had consumed his life. Because that's the only way that this can really typify and picture sin. Something that consumes. Something that brings death. Something that destroys our life. And that's what we see here. That this disease had taken his life inch by inch. It was taking him inch by inch. It was destroying who he was. You know, medically and scientifically that we have made a whole lot of uh, advancements, I guess you would say, since, uh, since this happened. And now we call this Hansen's disease. You've probably heard about that, that we call this Hansen's disease. We know that the rotting of the flesh, we know that the dismemberment uh, comes from something else. It comes from the body's warning system being destroyed. No longer being sensitive to pain. No, no longer being sensitive to harm. It brings numbness. That when you touch something that's hot, that you no longer feel it. When you touch something that is sharp and cuts you, you no longer feel it. 
when you have bones to break that you no longer feel it. And because of those things that that happened, the, the burning, the cutting, the smashing, the breaking, all those things that it brings on infection in your body. And that infection left untreated that it becomes not isolated but becomes systemic. It possesses and consumes your whole body. And that's probably what we see happening here in the description and what we see it implying. And that's how sin is in your life and mine. That it desensitizes us. Those things that bring harm. Those things that bring wreck and ruin and brokenness in our life. That it desensitizes us to the effects of that. And that we're no longer aware of the damnation that it brings in our body and our life spiritually. And so for this man, that he typifies and that he symbolizes something more than just physical sickness. But this guy knew he was in trouble. It was obvious. He could look down and see that he had fingers missing. It was obvious. When people looked at him and they shrieked, when people looked at him and threw stones at him, it was obvious that he knew something was bad wrong with him. He knew that his nose was missing because it had been eaten up. He knew all those things. It had become very evident to him that he needed help. He was so sick. According to the law, Leviticus 13, looking 45 and 46 there, that a leper, he had to have a a particular uh, style, so to speak, of clothing that hung loosely about him and uh, that He would have to, if he was out in public, he'd have to put his hand over his lip, it said, and cry out, unclean, unclean. Very obvious that he had much going on about him, and it was a miserable existence on every level possible. And this leper come to Jesus. What's it mean? What did it mean then? What does it mean Today, 2,000 years later, what difference does it make that this uh, leper made his way to Jesus? I'd say it makes a big difference. I'd say it's a huge lesson for me. It's a huge lesson for you. Because this leper, he symbolizes your life. He symbolizes my life apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are sick, that we are damned, that we are doomed, that we are dying, unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes in and touches us, that we are desperate. Desperate condition. And so it has all sorts of application. It has all sorts of real life significance for you, and not just for you, but also for me. Because we have the disease that's just as destructive spiritually as this disease was physically for this man. This man who we can only assume had had a normal existence at one point in his life. But this sickness that had taken everything away from him, that it had did uh, did. Uh, So much hurt and harm to him. 
know that you and I, that sometimes we may not even realize the effect that sin is having on our life, but it does. It desensitizes us to what's going on in life. It desensitizes us to how that we are hurting ourselves and how that we are hurting those that are around us. And eventually it's going to bring you to death and ruin. It'll do that to every man. You just keep, keep on going where you're going. Keep on heading where you're heading. Earlier I said that this disease, this leprosy, that it was silent, that it was subtle, that it was savage. And so is sin. Maybe some of you here today that you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. And over the course of your life that you've continued to reject Christ. Say, Ronnie, I'm a pretty good person. Well, let me submit to you that over the course of your life, that your condition, your sickness has desensitized you to the direness of your condition. You're sitting here today and you need Christ more than you need anything else. Say, Ronnie, I, I, don't, I don't feel that. No, you're not going to feel it. That's how sin is. It desensitizes you to the thing you need the most. And that's forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why you're here today. It's no accident that you're here today. I believe you're here by divine appointment today. That God knows you need to hear the word. You need to be warned. And you need to hear the warning. You need to heed the warning today. If you keep on like you're keeping on, you're going to die apart from Christ. You're going to die in your sickness, so to speak. And friend, this is, no, this is nothing to play games with. It's not a laughing matter. It's not something that you can put off, that you can delay. It's something you need to deal with even today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation for you. Never tomorrow. We have no guarantees of tomorrow. You may be in here today and a teenager, you have no guarantee of tomorrow. You may be here in, your, in midlife, no guarantee of tomorrow. You may be here in the latter days of your life, no guarantee of tomorrow. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out the longer you live, the less you have to live. And you never know what may be the last day. And so, you may say, man, I, I don't feel it. My prayers today, the Holy Spirit of God will quicken you, will awaken you to your need of Christ. And today, if you'll come to Jesus Christ, just like this leper did, there's hope, there's healing, there's restoration, there's life, there's a future in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is. Now, this guy's body was ravaged, his life was torn apart. Not one thing that he could do to help himself. And that's how it is when we're lost. There's really not one thing that we can do to help ourselves. Leprosy, our sin sickness has done us in. 
that we're in desperate and dire shape. What has sin done to you? What has rejecting Christ done to you? I'll tell you one thing, it's robbed you. It's robbed you of life. It's robbed you of wholeness. It's robbed you of help. It's robbed you of health spiritually. Maybe physically, I don't know. But I know this, that if you've rejected Christ, that you do not have what God has for you. I know that. And today I'm pleading with you to come to Christ. No matter who you are, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what you've been through, no matter who you know, you need Christ. You need the help that only He can give. Maybe you're one who says, well, I've heard what Jesus has done for others, but I don't know what He can do for me. He can do what your soul most desperately needs. That's what He can do for you. He can give you forgiveness. He can make you whole. Say, Ronnie, I'm okay. No, you're not. You're not okay. In your own mind, you think you're okay. But according to the Word of God, you are not okay. I'm not saying you're not a good person. You're probably better than the preacher is. But that makes no difference in eternity. All that matters is do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you had for your sins forgiven? Have you humbled yourself before the Lord Jesus Christ and been made whole? That's all that matters. I'm warning you. I'm telling you. I'm pleading with you today. You must come to Christ. You must. It's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. You must be born again. There's no other way. If there was some other way, surely Jesus would have mentioned it. But there's no other way. You don't have a way that's better than what Jesus has. You don't have a way that can accomplish what Jesus accomplished on the cross for you. Look what he says here. Look at the faith that this leper showed. He says, if thou wilt... Thou canst make me clean. I don't know the leper's history. I don't know if his mama took him to Sunday school or not. I don't know anything about that. But I know that at this moment that this man exercised a little bit of faith and he reached out and said, I know that you can make me clean if you just will. And today that's what I'm asking of you. That in your heart... In the deepest part of who you are. That you'll reach out today and ask the Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Just reach out to Him. Now, with what the leper said. You know, sometimes in our life that we have two different lies that we believe from the devil. That we believe that we don't need help. Or... We can't be helped. When it comes to salvation, those are the two lies that we believe. That we don't need help or we can't be helped. And that's it. But I'm telling you today, as you struggle with both of those things as you're sitting there, that that is a lie from the pit of hell. That's what it is. That you need help 
and that you can be helped today, that you can know salvation, and that I have good news that we don't have to question if he will. Because, friend, the word of God tells us that he will. In 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse number 9, says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's God's will for your life. That you would come to repentance. In 1 Timothy 2, says that who will have all men to be saved. That's God's will, is for you to be saved. Say, Ronnie, you don't know all that I've done. I know this. I know that he wills for you to be saved. That's what I know. And that's what we, all that we have to know, is know that he will save you if you'll come to him today. Ronnie, do you know what I did just this week? Yes, that's why he came to save you. No matter what you've done. No matter who you are. It's not too late if you're willing. In the brokenness of your heart if you're willing. Look in verse 41, the compassion. The compassion for this leper. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and saith to him, I will be thou clean. And this, this verse oozes with love and graciousness and mercy and compassion. And my, my translation uses the word compassion. Now, as Jesus was ministering to all men, and particularly to this fellow this day, this wasn't just to make a good story. This wasn't for a good photo op. This wasn't for somebody to think he was some, you know, oh, look at Jesus. No. You see that this was something that was compelling Christ from the deepest part of who he was. You see that Jesus, that he had a heart for the hurting. He had a heart for the lost. He did what he did out of pure motivation. Out of love. He loves you. He loved this man. And he loves you. It's hard to believe, isn't it? It's hard to believe that the sinless Son of God would love you. That He would love me. You know, there are, there are people, there, there might be people in this room that don't love me. And there's definitely people in this world that don't give a rip about me. But the sinless Son of God loves me. You may, may be meaner than a snake. You may not have two friends to your name. You may be despicable. You may not be lovable above humanity. I don't know. But Jesus loves you. You don't have to do anything to cause him to love you. He just chooses to love you. That's who he is. That's what compelled him to come to the earth. That's what compelled him to the cross. The cross that should have been mine and should have been yours. 
That there on the cross, hanging between two thieves, that he took the hell, the punishment that should have been mine, that should have been yours, all because of his great love for mankind. And all because that only he could take our place. He loves you. He loves me. Unconditionally that he loves us. And that he, his heart went out. To this hurting man. He came to earth. He lived. He lived among us. And that he died for us. Oh how he loves us. He lived our life. He died. Our death. He experienced it. He felt it. Jesus is a man of great. Compassion for those that are hurting. And we hit on it last week that he put forth his hand and touched him. That's what the Bible says here. No less than eight times in the book of Mark do we see that Jesus, that he touched people. He puts his hands on them. I think it's no accident that that detail is recorded. I think it's no accident that we see that Jesus delights in touching needy people. What a great lesson for American Christians to learn. That Jesus was not afraid to get down in the dirt to minister to people that were dying. To get down and to get where they were at. Hear me well, I didn't say that we did what they did. But we're not, we're not afraid to get where they're at in order to minister to them. To love people. To care for people where they are. A lot of times that we're guilty of wanting people to get better and then we'll deal with them. That's not how it works, is it? It's not how it works. That's not what Jesus expected of people. He said, hey, you get this straightened up and you come see me. No. But that's how the church operates many times. Oh, we, we expect you to do... You, you, need to go, you need to go start you another church for good people. All right? Jesus, he came for sinners. He came for lost people. He came for broken people. So Jesus didn't have to touch him, did he? Nope. Jesus did not have to touch him. Jesus could have spoken the word. Just spoken the word and that would have been enough. You know what? Jesus knew that that leper needed him to touch him. Jesus was perceptive enough. He was keen enough to know that that man needed somebody to touch him. Now you think about it. We don't know the backstory. We don't know the details. But I would dare say that this man had been in this condition for some time, right? We can probably see that as we read the story. He was desperate. It probably, you don't get desperate overnight. 
He was desperate. And that he had probably been estranged from everybody who cared for him for some time. He hadn't had his old buddy Joe to grab him by the shoulder and, hey, buddy, slap him on the back. How are you today? Hadn't had his mom or his dad say, I love you, son. His wife hadn't given him a peck on the cheek before he went to work in a long time. Hadn't been able to tell his child that he loved them. Been there and hugged them. Hadn't had the joy of a grandbaby sitting on his lap. All those things that we take for granted, the joy that we know and we take that we don't think a thing about, grabbing somebody shaking their hand. Maybe you do in flu season, but other than that, no, right? Shaking their hand. They, there's something about us human beings that we are made for that. You've probably heard or you've probably read about people who have gone to maybe third world countries, places where there are orphanages that are uh, just brimming over with too many children and not enough people to care for them. And they go extended periods of time without any physical contact and the devastation that that plays upon their life for long term. It's the same idea. That we as human beings, that there's something about that. And Jesus, that he ministered to him, that he showed compassion and real uh, genuine care by giving him a, a loving touch. How encouraging it must have been to this guy just to think that somebody would touch him. He thought he was despicable and despised by everyone. And yet this man, that he'll even touch me. How it is in this world that oftentimes we as Christian people that we may not be willing to touch, so to speak. To touch those that we find despicable. Those that we find to be unworthy. Those that we think that are good-for-nothings in society, that they deserve to be where they are. Jesus died for those people. And those are the people that we have got to show the love of Christ to. And like Jesus, we must be willing to touch them and to minister unto them where they are. And this word... He talks about that Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. It isn't a word, you know, it's not like when you put your hand on something, see if it's hot. Not like that. It means that he grabbed hold of him, took hold of him. That Jesus, I, I, in my mind, here's what I see. This isn't, this isn't in the gospel. This is in my mind, all right? That Jesus grabbed hold of him down there in front of him, put his hands on him. I believe he drew him close is what I think. I don't know. That's just what I see. Isn't that what you see Jesus would do? He wouldn't, he wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> no. 
doting close. He'd draw him up close. That's the Jesus that I see. And today, that's the Jesus I want you to see. A Jesus that's not afraid to touch you. Who's not afraid of what might rub off on him. That Jesus loves you and cares for you. And he wants you right there with him. He wants you to know of his great love for you. That he died for you. No greater love has ever been demonstrated for mankind than that which Jesus did on the cross. Oh, what Jesus left to come to see us. That Jesus took hold. To the religious folk, now that Jesus was now unclean, wasn't he? He had touched a leper. Well, that's going to hurt their feelings really bad right there. Jesus had touched a leper. He had subjected himself to sickness. Oh, what a picture of the incarnation. He took hold of something, right? He took hold of flesh and blood when he came to earth to identify with sinful men. That he subjected himself to everything that we are exposed to. All because of his great love for mankind. All because he knew that there was no other way for you and I to ever be saved other than him coming and dying on the cross for us. No other way possible. No, we will never significantly change our community. We will never ever significantly impact those that we are around day by day until we, like Jesus, are willing to get up close and personal with those that are sin sick. And today as we come in this place, my prayer is that if you don't know Christ, that today you will. That if you don't know Christ, that you're not sitting here today all shriveled up and thinking, man, all these people think they're better than me. What am, I, I'm miserable here. Bunch, bunch of two-faced. Today, my prayer is that more than anything else, that you'll see the love of a Savior. Who that you're not too dirty for, you're not too smelly for, that you're not too uneducated for, that you're not too unable for, that He has arms open wide for you and that He longs to draw you to Himself and to grab hold of you. Lastly, in verse 42 through 44, and as Soon as he had spoken, what did he say? I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was clean, cleansed. And he straightway charged him and forthwith sent him away. Now, there's the miracle. That's what it's been building toward right there. That we see the cure of this leper. Now Mark has the opportunity here to use one of his favorite words that we said he uses often. What's that word? Immediately. It's one of Mark's favorite words. You're going to see it repeated often through this gospel. 
And so as soon as he had spoken, immediately, simultaneously, the leprosy departed and he was cleansed. Now, again, we don't see all the details, but I think the implication, and as we see what is being taught here, that this doesn't doesn't simply mean that he felt better and went about life believe what we see that this man was restored to health he was made whole that's what happens when we're born again that we're made whole and for the first time in our life we are whole so instantaneously in a split second quicker than the blink of an eye that the sores were healed that his fingers were back that his hair had grown out again he was healed now we can paint over that we can brush over that and we can try to sugarcoat that and make that nice and polite but listen to me, that would blow your socks off. That would blow anybody's socks off. And friend, that is what happens. That is the miracle that happens at salvation. When we see somebody get saved, we talk about this sometime. Somebody gets saved and we will give them a little golf clap. Well, isn't that sweet? Well, sweet my foot. A miracle just happened, my friend. That which was lost has been found, my friend. That which was gone has been made whole again oh it's a miracle when somebody gets saved oh it's a miracle man I I don't get it and I'm blown away by Christian people and people in this church even who you, we get wound up and tore up about some things that have no eternal significance whatsoever that don't mount to a hill of beans and you talk about spiritual things, you talk about lost people, you talk about people getting saved and they don't give a rip about it. Does that make any sense to you? No, it don't make any sense. None. No sense. No. But see here, this happened instantaneously. It was big. It was bold. It changed his life from that point on. And if you come to Christ, it will change your life from that point on. Oh, all the testimonies that we could hear today. Of what Christ has done in hearts and lives. All right. We're about finished, okay? That Jesus Christ, what he does when he brings salvation, it isn't, you know, it isn't something that's going to, you know, you, we'll, we'll kinda, he'll do a little something today and you come see him in six weeks and he'll do a little something else. Now, we're in a process, we was talking about this with Brenda Brewer the other day, that you know, we're, we're saved in a moment in time, but we're constantly being growing in Him, all right? That, that's a fact. But when we get saved, it happens lickety-split, all right? Now, we're constantly growing, but this guy, he was whole like that. So today, if you don't know Him, you can be made whole just like that. If you'll come to Him,
that he's willing. And more than willing that he is able. Not just willing, he's able to make you whole. To bring healing. See, Jesus' salvation is for the most sick one. He, this wasn't some little, little something. This was a big deal. And you may think, boy, I'm so far away. He can bring you home today. He longs to bring you home today. You know, at the last couple of verses here, it says that Jesus told him, hey, you don't go tell anybody what's happened. You make your way to the priest and now, I don't know what to do with all this, to be honest with you. Because I can't say that I blame the old boy. He couldn't keep his mouth shut. What he done with, but, but at the same time, the fact remains that he didn't listen to what Jesus told him to do. And what he did, it caused the confusion. Just a reminder in all of our lives. Even in the grace of God and the excitement of what he does in our hearts and lives, God's always got a plan that we need to abide by. And that even when we're born again, we don't have a better idea than God does. And we need to listen to what he has for us. Today, this leper, he's a picture of me, a picture of you. He's a picture of what happened in my life as a young boy. We all have our stories today. There's some of us today that our story is we've not yet come to Jesus. And I invite you today, right now, to come to Him. If this leprosy represents sin, and it does, just like this leper did today, right where you are, right where you are, that you bring your brokenness, your sinfulness, your sin sickness, bring it to Jesus. Ask Him to forgive you for sins and to be your Lord and Savior and trust Him with all your heart. If you'll do that and mean it with all that you are, He will. Be thou clean is what He'll speak to your life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the great illustration that Christ gave us as he healed this leper. God, it gives all of us hope. Lord, there's nothing too difficult. There's no stronghold that's too strong. There's no sickness that's so sick that you can't take care of it. God, I know that it's not necessarily easy. Not necessarily easy to push your pride aside and say you need Christ. As a matter of fact, I believe it's probably really, really hard. But today, my prayer is that your grace, Lord God, 
would be so big in their lives. That today, finally, once and for all, that they would come to you for salvation. Young and old and in between. And God, some of us today, it's been a while since we've really thought about what you've done for us. We've forgotten where we were at when you found us. The shape when we were in. So God, for those who are saved today, I pray that this message would, God, encourage us. God would give us joy. And Father, that it would remind us that you got where people were at. And Lord, help us to know how to do that. And Lord, sometimes we struggle with that as Christian people. Knowing how to walk that line and getting, living, being with people and living with people where they are and not compromising and all those sorts of things. But God, I pray that you'd help us to see people how you do. Not be caught up, caught up in legalistic life and, and Lord, being defeated by what we're afraid somebody might think. But God, that we would be more concerned about what you think about us. And God, that our hearts would be beating after the lostness that's around us. So Lord, we give you this time and this invitation. And God, I just pray for a move of the Spirit of God today. Something miraculous is my prayer. Something miraculous would happen that somebody would get saved. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. We want to sing a song of invitation this morning. This invitation's for you. Hey, Ronnie, I, I don't know Christ. Well, today you can. He will. If you'll come to him today, he will. I guarantee you, he will. Maybe you're burdened. Maybe you're just packing a load today in your life. This invitation's for you. Maybe you don't know. You don't know if you've been saved. You don't, you don't know. You're confused, troubled in your heart. Today, I encourage you to get that right with him. Know, know that you know that you've been saved. Brother Mike, lead us as we sing together.
sing one more verse. God's spoken to you. You come today.
Today, I trust you've been obedient to the Spirit's prompting in your heart and life and responded to how God has spoken to your life. And again, thank you for being here. It's, it's always more fun when you're here. It really is. And I want to share our bullets before we leave today. And we'll be back tonight at 6 o'clock. Our dear brother Greg Jones is going to be preaching his first sermon for us tonight. All right? So you come, be praying for him, uh, that God would just use him. I don't know, he might ought to pray for us. I don't know, Greg. <laughs> Greg. Greg's been able to be out preaching a lot in the last several weeks, and we're thankful for the opportunities God's given him, and we're thankful that God's working in he and Mary Ann's life. Oh, well, well, you're you're sweet. You're sweet. I, I I thank you. I hate I hate to squelch all that, but I know where your heart. And thank you very very much. It's precious of you for sure. Thank you. We love you too. Tomorrow night, Monday night at five o'clock, we'll be decorating the church for Christmas season. Deck the halls. So sign up the welcome center for that. And uh, mails or anything addition you need to plug on that. All right, sign up five o'clock. Be here, men, women, ladders. Oh, 5 o'clock, food is ready. We're eating at 5 o'clock and 5 on. We'll decorate when we get done eating, okay? All right, next. Last week, the food drive, cereal and oatmeal. Tuesday night is the last time to give to the food drive. Oh, yeah, church is Tuesday night. That's why you said that. I got you. I'll be here. Holiday fellowship, next Sunday, this, yeah, this coming Sunday, December the 1st, 6 p.m., the Family Life Center Holiday Fellowship have traditional stuff, dressing, ham, yard bird, etc. And you bring the other stuff, okay? All right, reminder that this week's midweek service is Tuesday and not Wednesday. So Tuesday, 7 o'clock. It's always a great time to come together on that Tuesday before Thanksgiving. So no service on Wednesday night. Next. All right. Happy Thanksgiving to you if we don't see you before, before then. And I hope that it's a great time for you and uh, your family uh, in this week. All right? Is that it, guys? Perfect. All right. We'll ask Richard Scoggins if he'll dismiss us.